It's good to see you in the house of the Lord. You may stand now for the reading of the Word. We are looking at the parables this summer as a series, and now we come to the parable of the sower, or the seed, or the soil, depending on how you look at it. And it's Mark's Gospel, Mark chapter 4. Now Jesus began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables, and in his teaching he said to them, Listen, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up. And since it had no depth of soil, and when the sun rose, it was scorched. Since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. Other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see but not perceive, and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. These are the ones that sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, but they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on the count of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those who were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit, Thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. We have now for some weeks been teaching the parables of Jesus from the Gospels, from the teaching of Jesus in His earthly ministry here on earth among the people and among His disciples. Teaching, teaching, teaching. Today is examination day. Today is the day to search your heart. 
Today is the day to not look at the riddle or the mashal or the parable or the proverb in all of its mystery, but to see it in its plain, stark, vivid teaching. Today's the day to look into your own heart. Jesus taught this parable in a wide open setting to a multitude, to a large crowd. And then in a house with his disciples and a few others, he taught the parable again. The point is that there are two groups of people that hear the gospel. The multitudes. The gospel goes wide to the world. It goes high, it goes low, it goes near, it goes far. There are no pairs of ears anywhere in the world that should not hear the gospel. The gospel of the saving grace of God should be heard by every solitary soul that's ever trod planet earth. But the gospel goes to the heart of the one that has ears to hear. The soils are your heart. In fact, this parable is in, here in the Gospel of Mark, it's also in Matthew chapter 13, it's in Luke chapter 8. There's some variety of detail, there's some things added and subtracted in the various accounts. It's good to read and study all three together because it's obvious it's the same occasion, it's the same parable, it's the same teaching. But speaking of the very first sowing, those along the path of Jesus said, it's in their heart. So this is not about soil, this is not about wheat, this is not about the sower and the seed, this is about your heart. That's it. And in the process of explaining the parable, Jesus does something that is incredibly awakening. He quotes Isaiah chapter 6. We know Isaiah chapter 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up and His train filled the temple. Remember that? The vision that prophet Isaiah had that recommissioned him. He had been preaching all during the reign of Uzziah, but when Uzziah died, God put a special call on his life. And then during the reigns of Jotham and Ahaz and Hezekiah, he had a preaching ministry that was completely different. Because at the end of that vision, Isaiah saw himself as he truly was. He was a priest and had served in the throne room of God. He was a prophet that had been called by God. He was a mouthpiece, a spokesman, but he was a man of unclean lips. He was a sinful man and he dwelt in the midst of a people of unclean lips. It's hard to get away from your environment. It's hard to get away from those around you. If you're hanging out with a decadent crowd, you're probably going to be, have a decadent lifestyle. And he found himself in that condition. And the conviction of having seen the Lord who the angels had said was holy, 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 holy. He then 
saw himself for who he was and the conviction of his heart and the contrition and the repentance poured forth, illumined by the holiness of God and the righteous standard of God and the expectations of God's people crushed in upon him. And in the midst of his guilt, in the midst of his repentance, in the midst of his turning, one of the seraphim took a live coal from off the altar that was burning there and touched his lips, blistered his lips, outflowed the blood, but it was the cleansing blood, the purging blood. And his now was no longer a man of unclean lips, but he was a man whose lips were going to speak the very word of God. He had a special call. And the Lord asked, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Who will preach the gospel? Who will be the herald upon the, the mountain that will have beautiful feet just preaching the gospel and carrying it wide to the world? And Isaiah said, Here am I. Send me. And then the Lord begins to tell him something. And it's this verse that's quoted right here in the middle of our passage in verse 12. It's Isaiah 6, verse 9. He said, go and tell this people. And the Lord says, when you go, you will preach, but they will not hear. You will show visions, but they will not see. Oh, they'll have the visual. They'll have the auditory transcript. They will have seen, they will have heard, but they will not have seen and heard. And that's what this parable is all about. It's about those that see and hear and receive and believe the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel of the kingdom of God, and it takes root in their lives and it bears forth fruit. There are stern warnings throughout the teaching of Christ and the apostles that tell us there is such a thing as false, spurious faith. We believe in the perseverance of the saints, but it's the perseverance of the saints. It's not just the perseverance of just anybody who claims to be a Christian. It's not the perseverance of the professors, but it is the perseverance of those who really have the faith. And these warnings are in Scripture. They're, they're so dire that some people have even posited that even true believers can lose their faith and can fall away, as the text says, apostatize, literally. We don't need to discount those warnings. We don't need to walk away from those warnings. We don't need to try to rationalize and theologize around those severe warnings that come straight to our heart and straight to our soul that says, examine yourself to see whether you be in the faith. You believe in the eternal security of the believer. 
But it's the believer, it's the one that has received the Word, and the Word has taken root in their hearts. It's those that are good soil. It's interesting that of the four examples he gives, only one is a true root that bears much fruit. The first one is the person that hears the word, but their heart is impervious to it. In fact, they don't even hardly recognize it for what it is. It lies there on the path. And Jesus said in his interpretation and explanation of the parable that Satan comes and snatches it away. And this is exactly what Satan would do in every case if he could get away with it. He would snatch the word away so that when we hear the gospel, we don't even get a chance to believe it. We don't even think about it. We have a disposition of unbelief. And that's really what's spoken of here in this passage in Isaiah. It's those that have such a disposition for unbelief that they don't even get the first base of the gospel. This was the context in which Jesus was giving this parable. Let me just point that out to you. We're in, we're in chapter 4 of um, Mark. Let me just highlight a few things out of chapter 3. Things that had happened just before Jesus gives this parable. There in the first part of chapter 3, He's in the synagogue and He heals a man with a withered hand. And He does so on the Sabbath. And in doing so, He looks to the, uh, the rulers that are there and uh, he asked them if it's lawful for him to heal someone on the Sabbath. And of course, they were silent. They wouldn't answer him. And here's what verse 5 says that Jesus did. He looked around at them with anger. He looked around at those doubters, skeptics, critics, those that are impervious to His message, those that are absolutely resistant to any notion of His miracle working power and His doing of good on the Sabbath. He looked around at them with anger and it was not a bitter anger and an unjustified anger. It was an anger born of a deep emotional disappointment it says he was grieved at the hardness of their heart. The gospel didn't have a chance against a heart like that. It was not open. It was not soft. It was not listening. It was not examining. It was not weighing things in the balance. It was not taking seriously. It was already predisposed to unbelief. And notice the very next verse, verse 6. The Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him how to destroy him. Boy, if that's not Satan, the destroyer, snatching away the seed, being in the heart, I don't know what is. I hope there's no one in this room this morning that has that disposition of heart because that's the truly profane person. Profane means profanus, before the temple, outside the temple. 
Most of the people that needed to hear that particular message probably are not in these four walls today. But if there's just one of you here, by God's grace, I want you to listen. I want you to open your heart. I want you to open your mind. I want you to receive some light of the gospel in your heart. Give it some chance before Satan snatches it away and they eternally condemned and lost. Never, never, never be soft and never, never, never have a chance again to receive the gospel. You have a momentary receptive time and you pass it by. I don't know how many people have done that. They've heard the gospel. It sort of convicts them a little. It troubles them. It may delight them. They hear about God and His goodness and His grace and Jesus taking their sins and dying for them and the free offer of forgiveness that comes by receiving Jesus Christ and home in heaven and all the wonderful blessings that flow from the work of Christ. And they just deal with it for a moment and then that's it. There was a great crowd that followed Jesus. I'll go down a little more in Mark 3. Among that crowd was the family of Jesus. And when his family heard it, that he was healing people and casting out demons and teaching and preaching and doing all of that, and when his family heard it, they went out to seize him, for they were saying, he is out of his mind. Can you imagine Jesus' own family? <laughs> this is the Virgin Mary and her boys, her other boys, maybe even the sisters. Think this Christ, Jesus, this, He's just grown up to be an embarrassment. He's over the top now. He's on the fringes. We've got to stop Him. We've got to put a stop to it. That's the... That's the environment of unbelief that Jesus was working in. And at this time and until the passion of Christ and the resurrection of Christ, we have no evidence that Jesus' brothers even believed in Him. But then they did when it had been accomplished. They went on to be leaders in the church. James was one of them. Judas or Jude. They wrote those letters in the New Testament. But at the time, they were in the company of unbelievers. The scribes, the very next verse, the scribes came down from Jerusalem saying about Jesus, He is possessed by Beelzebub. He's demon possessed. Look at the environment of unbelief in which Jesus is teaching and preaching and pleading and the assailing of his soul by Satan. Last week we talked about the, the sowing in the field of the wheat and then the tares were sown. And Jesus said on that occasion, an enemy has done this. There is an enemy of your soul. And if he can keep you from hearing the gospel, he will. But if you accidentally get under the sound of the gospel, he'll do everything he can to snatch it away before you give it any consideration at all. And this passage is a warning of that. Well, there's a couple of more. 
One is the stony ground, the rocky ground. The ground, the soil in Palestine in that day, I guess probably still is, um, is, is a lot like some of the soils in Texas. You've got a, a layer of loam, a good topsoil, and then you have a limestone base under that. And the sower that's sowing is just sowing like this. He's just sowing seed. Then they would plow it under so that it could then germinate. And you don't know when you're looking at topsoil just how deep it is. But when the time came to plow, when the time came for the seed to germinate, it was on rocky soil. It was on a limestone bedrock. And there was no place for it to take root. And seed began to germinate in that shallow soil. The sun came out. And it was burned away. Jesus calls these those who had received it with joy. A lot of people have what they think is a wondrous conversion experience. It happened at a camp. It happened on a retreat. It happened at a revival meeting. It happened in the context of, of, of meeting with other believers. It was emotional. There was an appeal made. There was a, 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 an appeal made to their heart that struck some chord. And it was a chord of thrill. It was the joy of conversion. But it wasn't conversion. It was just an emotional response to whatever had happened that night. And these are the ones the Scripture says fall away immediately. And they do it when the tribulation comes and the persecution and the cross-bearing and the having to live out and stand up for what you believe. That's when that class of seed falls away. Others were among the thorns. Those are those who hear the Word, but the cares of the world, think about that. The cares of the world. It's pretty universal, isn't it? And we all have cares, but the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things enter and choke the Word, and it becomes unfruitful. There may be some effort at a root, but there's no fruit. And then finally, he describes the good soil. It's sown upon ground that is ready for it. It's been opened. It's soft and receptive. It takes root, germinates, grows to the stalk, and bears a large amount of fruit. We started the text with a large crowd hearing the gospel. As we move through, we find that it is only some. Jesus spells it out. He says, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. It's by grace. <laughs> it's been given to you to believe it, to receive it. These are the ones who hear the word and accept it to receive it and bear fruit. These are the ones that have the faith and the obedience that follows. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. 
This particular warning out of Isaiah 6 is used six times in the New Testament. In all four Gospels, in the book of Acts, and in the book of Romans. The first six books of your New Testament get you off to a good start. It ought to be something you pay attention to. All six of the first six books quote this passage out of Isaiah in the same way showing its meaning. And that is this, that you must hear the word with faith. You must believe. I'll just quote one of them. I'll move over to Romans and see what the Apostle Paul said there. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them, that is His brethren, that they may be saved. I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness that comes from God and seeking to establish their own righteousness, they did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. And then later on in that passage, he's talking about this same issue. So too at the present time, there is a remnant, that's a remainder, chosen by grace. It is given to you to believe, but it is by grace. It is no longer on the basis of works, otherwise grace would be no longer grace. The elect obtained it, but the rest were hardened as it is written. God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes that would not see and ears that would not hear. You've been testing yourself. Ask the Spirit of God to test you further. Examine yourself. See if you are in the faith. Make your calling and election sure. 